Thank you, Pastor Eric. Hello, everyone. Welcome to CCF. I'm so glad that you are here. And greetings from your spiritual family in the Saturday night service. You know, a couple of Saturdays ago, we started or we resumed again our Saturday night service. So if you have family, friends who, are, who couldn't attend on a Sunday, you can invite them to our Saturday night service. It's every Saturday. It's 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. It's a lot of young people, young professionals, young families, but of course, everybody is welcome. Now, aren't you glad that we're going through different characters in the Bible? Are you blessed with our series, Changemakers? Have you been learning a lot of stuff? You know, I believe all of us, we want to become change agents of God. We want God to use us mightily to make a difference in this world, in our community, in our families. But today, we're going to look at something because there's something in your life, in my life, that may hinder us to become change makers. Can you look at your seatmate? Can you ask change maker na ba ako? Can you ask if you're already a change maker for God? Ah? Of course, everybody can make a change. But what I'm asking is, are you a change maker for the Lord? Because something is gonna hinder you to become like that. All those Bible characters that we looked at, they stepped in faith, they stepped in obedience. But if they didn't do that and they allowed whatever is hindering them to, you know, to hinder them to do that change, they won't be able to become God's change agents. So look at this statement. This is what I realized about our problem. One of the major hindrances to becoming a change maker for God is what? Compromise. When I say compromise, of course, there's what you, what you call a positive compromise. Like, okay, we're discussing certain things. We couldn't agree. Let's compromise. But when I say compromise, you're going against the principles of God. God is already telling you to do something. God is already telling you to step in faith. But you decided, ah, I don't want to do that. I just want to do this. Compromise. In other words, giving into sin, following idols rather than following God. If you're seated beside your family member, can you ask them, am I compromising? You don't need to answer. I just, just need to ask them because the reality is all of us are tempted. We all have weaknesses. That's why our topic for today is very important. If you don't want to compromise and don't want to give in to whatever pressures you're experiencing in this world, this is our message today. Be a change maker with a strong heart. Let's say that together. One, two, three, go. Be change maker with a strong heart. We need to have a strong heart because the reality is in this world, there will be a lot of pressures. And when I say strong heart, this is my definition of a strong heart. A strong heart is a heart that is devoted to God. Meaning to say you're committed. Meaning to say in spite of all the pressures that you're going to hear, you're going to see in this world, you're going to make a stand and say, no, I'm not going to compromise even though majority are doing it, even though some Christians that you know are doing it, I'm not going to compromise. Tell your seatmate, be, have a strong heart. Tell your seatmate, go. Have a strong heart. Dapat malakas ang heart mo. And the reality is marami. There are a lot of people, they don't have a strong heart. Sa Tagalog nga, marurupok ang puso. I don't know what that is in English. Or maybe you can call it a weak heart. Right? You e get easily swayed by the pressures in this world. When I say strong heart, this is what it looks like. When you have a strong heart, it means you have conviction. And we're going to look at that in our character that we're going to discuss today. You have strong biblical conviction. When you have a strong heart, there you are considerate. And we're going to look at that also in the life of Daniel. And when you have a strong heart, you are courageous. There's courage. In spite of the pressures, there is courage. So if you want to be a change maker, continually become a change maker, then you and I should have a strong heart. Let's look at the background of the character that we're going to discuss today because we've read about him. His name is Daniel, and of course, the book is about him. So Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, let's read that together. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So here's the background. I know a lot of you maybe know this story already. But the background is the Israelites were conquered, the Jewish nation. Judah was conquered already by the Babylonian Empire. So when they were conquered, they got certain people in that kingdom, in the Israelites, to be part of the Babylonian Empire as their workforce or their slaves. So what happened? In verse 2, look at in verse 3, look at what happened. Then the king 
Nebuchadnezzar, the emperor, told his general, the chief of the, his officials, Ashpenaz, bring some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and the nobles. I want them in my kingdom. I want them because they're smart. I want them because they have skills. I want to use them. That's what King Nebuchadnezzar does whenever he conquers a land. He goes to a certain land, conquers that, gets the best of the best. And look at verse 4, Daniel 1 verse 4. And he also was looking for this qualification. He's looking for youths in whom there was no impairment, no blemish, pogi in Tagalog, who were good-looking, suitable for instruction in every kind of expertise, endowed with understanding and discernment. In other words, hindi lang pogi, matalino pa. Okay? Good-looking and intelligent, not just intelligent, discerning knowledge who had the ability to serve in the king's court. In other words, very skilled. If you're a guy, can you ask your seatmate, qualified ba ako? Ayaw sumagot. Okay, right? Look at that. You are good-looking. You're very skilled. You're intelligent. You are qualified to work in the king's palace. And what's going to happen to these people? He ordered Ashpenaz to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. In other words, he wants them to be conformed, to change their mindset, their belief system. They were believing in Yahweh. They were following godly principles. Well, some of them were. I know some of the Israelites were worshiping idols, but some of them were, and they were still following certain biblical principles. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted them not to do anything with that anymore. Just follow our gods, follow our principles, follow those things that most of those things are against God's word. And look at the next part, verse 5. The king was also allotted for them a daily ration from the king's choice food. Okay? The best of the best, the steak, the lechon, the kare-kare. I don't know if there's kare-kare there, but it's very delicious. It's from the king's choice food. There's wine that they are to drink in order that they be educated for three years. At the end of which, he's going to choose, the king is going to choose whom among them that he will get in, to be part of his personal service. Now, among them, here are the names of those people from Israel. Well, some of them, Daniel, that's our character, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Look at what the king did to make sure that they will conform to the principles of the Babylonian Empire. He changed their names. What are now their names? Their new names will become, for Daniel, what's the name? Belteshazzar. For Hananiah, Shadrach. For Mishael, Meshach. And for Azariah, what? Abednego. Now, these names are the names of their gods. Like Bel is the name of the God, one of the gods of the Babylonian Empire. And he's telling Daniel, you know, Daniel, you're a smart person. I want to change your name to Belteshazzar because he's our God and I want you to follow our God. That's pressure. That's what's happening now to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's, what's the, that's the mindset that the people were trying to put to them. But look at what happened afterwards. Now, now before we go back to, uh, we, before we see what happened here, you know what I realized? These things that are happening to Daniel and his friends, it's not something that it's not happening to us. It's also happening to us. In fact, look at the top pressures that we're experiencing nowadays. Top pressures. Number one, pressure from our own lust. We have struggles. All of us, we do struggle. Pressure from the world, from people, your friends, social media, the things that you watch. Pressure from persecution. You're going to be persecuted if you don't do this. Of course, number three, maybe in the Philippines, it's not that much. But numbers one and two, is a common denominator for majority of the people here. There's the pressure from our own lust. We are, have our own struggles. We have our own struggles when it comes to sex. We have our own struggles when it comes to getting drunk. We have our own struggles when it comes to being honest, having integrity, and all of those things, and being excellent. We have our own struggles. And there's that pressure from the world. I remember before, I think I was 13 years old, and I heard my uncle talk to my dad, I, I think this was, this was like a family party. My uncle told my dad, oh, si Marty, 13 years old, that teenager na, virgin pa ba yan? Have you ever heard those statements from some of your relatives? Right? That's the culture that we're living in right now. 
And of course, my dad was like, uh, he couldn't answer. Of course, he, I think he said yes, okay? I was 13 years old. But he, doesn't, he knows where this conversation was leading. Because the un- my uncle was telling my dad, no, let's, let's help, help him have experience. Why? Why is that the conviction and the mindset of our world right now? That's the pressures we are experiencing in this world. I also remember one time I was working in an advertising company, and one of the goals of my boss was to get me drunk. I don't drink alcoholic drinks. I'm not saying that it's evil if you drink alcoholic drinks. Some people in the Bible, they drink alcoholic drinks, but of course, getting drunk, that's sin. So my boss, he wa- she wanted me to get drunk. That's one of her goals. And I really praise God that some of my friends were helping me. There was this time she bought one bottle of mine, wine, and she told me, you finish that. And I said, but I don't drink. I can't drink. I can't finish one bottle of wine. So I tried to make, you know, take a little sip here and every now and then. And then my friends were helping me. They told me, just give us some of that. Okay, give us some of that. We'll finish. We'll help you finish that. But that's the pressure that's happening in this world. And sometimes the pressure comes from our family members. Can you ask your seatmate, are you pressuring me to sin? Waga, no, we don't pressure one another to do something wrong. We are to encourage one another to live for God. But these are the pressures that we're experiencing. That's why I understood what God told Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 17, let's read verses 9 and 10. One, two, three, go. The heart is more deceitful than all else. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know, I really, I really believe the greatest pressure is not the external. The greatest pressure is inside. Because the only way that you're going to be pressured by external things, by your friends, by what you watch online, is if you have a struggle internally. If you don't have a struggle with pornography or with sexual sins, even the pressures are outside, you're not going to struggle with that. For example, drinking alcoholic drinks. I don't have struggle with that. So even if they pressure me, it's okay. So the greatest pressure that we have is the heart. That's why God says the heart is deceitful. And look at the mindset of the world right now. Do you know one of the top mindset in this world right now? If it feels good, what do you do? Do it, right? Have you ever heard that statement? If it feels good, ano sinasabi la? You do it. Even if it's wrong, you do it. I remember my son, I think I shared this story before. My son was playing with paper. He was three years old. And then after, I, I was seeing him crumpling the paper, throwing it, and then getting it again, crumpling the paper, throwing it again. And then after a few minutes, I saw him getting the paper and started putting it inside his mouth. And he was chewing it. So when I saw it, of course, as a loving father, we don't eat that, that's not food. I'll give you food, okay, that's not food, I know you're hungry. And when I got the piece of paper, guess what he did? He cried. He said, no, paper, paper, I like paper, paper. Do you think as a loving father, since he feels like he wants to eat the paper, do you think as a loving father, I would say, okay, Anak, here's paper, here's one rim, go eat it. (laughs) Not gonna do that, he's gonna die, okay? I don't know if he's gonna die, but that's not healthy for him. But that's what the world is saying right now. If it feels good, even if it's wrong, just support me. The heart is deceitful. That's why I love verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I know God is the one who understands your heart. You don't understand your heart right now? For the singles who are here, you don't understand your heart right now? Or even for all of us here, sometimes we don't understand our heart. Guess what? God understands our hearts. He searches it. He, can, he will test it. And He will bless us if we respond properly to Him. That's what verse 10 is talking about. That's why, what's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. Again, tell your seatmate. One, two, three, go. Be a change maker. Have a strong heart. Because all of us, I know we're all struggling. I'm not exempted. Nobody is. All the pastors here, we, we have some struggles. All the full-time workers that you see, we have some struggles. There are pressures. And there are also pressures that are internal. Pressures that nobody else knows except you and God. Or maybe some of your small group leader knows about that. That's why this message is very important. Because if we don't know how to handle the pressures, we're going to give in and we're not going to become the change maker that God wants us to be. So let's look at what happened to Daniel. So a strong heart looks, what does it look like? First, it has conviction. Strong conviction. Conviction that is connected to God's word. Because all of us, we have convictions. 
But my question is, is it connected to God's Word? Is it godly conviction? When I say conviction, conviction is godly convictions will help our heart resist the pressure to compromise. If you have that solid stand, no, I'm not going to do it. Kahit that there's so many pressures out there, you're not going to give in because you have a strong heart. You have solid conviction. What happened to Daniel? In verse 8, when the people, the general, Ashpenaz, and the other government officials were forcing them to eat the food, to change their name, to teach the culture. Of course, he cannot do anything with teaching the culture. He cannot do anything with the names that have been changed because they will be called that. They will be called Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when it came for, uh, to the food, Daniel, in verse 8, made up his mind. In other words, in the Hebrew language, that's firmly established. I'm not going to be moved by what you're telling me to do. I'm not going to do it. He made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food. Pero Daniel, steak yan. Lechon yan. Why don't you want to eat it? Now, two possible reasons why Daniel made up his mind. First possible reason, it could be the type of food that Moses commanded them not to eat. Remember Leviticus, Numbers? Uh, in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, right? There are laws there. You can't eat this kind of food. You can't eat this, right? So maybe that was one of the reasons, possible reasons. But the most probable reason is this, that these types of food were offered to the gods of the Babylonian Empire. Maybe offered to Bel, offered to Shadrach, to, the God, to Meshach, Abednego, whoever their gods are. So they pray first. Maybe that conversation, they know the situation, that before they serve the food, they're going to pray, offer it to their gods, and give it to the people. So that these people who are being manipulated and trained in their thinking will realize, oh, so this is offered to their God. So as I eat it, I'm acknowledging that this is the real God. So Daniel said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to defile myself. And I'm not going to drink also the drink that's offered to their God. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. I realized the reason why Daniel was able to do this I believe that he remembered Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. This was what Moses told the Israelites. And they were to pass it on from one generation to the next generation and the next generation until it came to Daniel and his friends. They remembered the central passage of the first five books of the Bible. This is the central passage. You know why this is the central passage? Because this is the key for the Israelites to be able to obey all the commandments. If they don't have Deuteronomy 6 verse 5, they're not going to obey the commandments. What's Deuteronomy 6 verse 5? Let's read that together. You shall what? Love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, soul, strength. If you love the Lord your God with all, you will obey. If you love someone, you don't want to hurt that person. If you're committed completely, you love your spouse, you love your children, you will give your all. I really believe Daniel knew this. I know the Israelites, before they were conquered, a lot of them were worshiping idols. That's why they were conquered by the Babylonian Empire. But maybe Daniel and his friends, they knew the Bible. They knew God's command. So they remembered, I need to be committed. And not just that, I believe they also remembered Joshua 1 verse 8. And what is that? That they are to meditate on the word of the law. Book of the law, you are uh, not to depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it how often? Day and night. So they remember this is the word of God. I need to memorize. I need to study. I need to put it in my heart, in my head, so that I will not flee from it. I will not compromise. So that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. You know what I realize? Our convictions are formed by what is constantly absorbed by our mind. So if we keep filling our minds with worldly stuff, guess what's going to happen? You're going to do worldly things. If you keep filling your mind reading books that are very sensual, guess what? You're going to be addicted to sex. If you keep feeling, feeding your mind with certain things that are not glorifying to God, then that's what you're going to do. I remember before, I think, before, you, you know, before the pandemic, I don't like watching K-drama. I know a lot of you are watching K-drama. It's okay. I'm not saying don't watch K-drama. But during the pandemic, starting 2020, since it was locked down, my wife loves to watch K-drama, I started thinking, why not watch it also? I don't understand why people love it, but let me try. 
and I realized how addicted, addictive it was, okay? So I started wa- watching one episode of this. I don't remember the series, okay? So I, wa- I started watching this one episode, and I realized how good they are. After the end, there's a teaser, right? How good they are to tease you so that you watch the next episode and the next episode. That's why binge-watching became popular. So after the first episode, there's that teaser. Ah, I need to watch the second. I need to know what happened, right? And the more I watch that, guess what happened? Ah? It somehow influenced me. How did it influence me? The more I watched K-drama, the more I started loving Korean food. Because ang galing nila sa product placement, okay? <laughs> right? I know a lot of you. And here's the thing. I started, you know, craving for Korean ice cream. And there's a Korean store near our, our condo. I told my let's, let's buy there, okay? Let's buy this Korean ice cream. And I know some people, since they are so tired reading the subtitles, guess what they did? They want to study Korean. So they're not going to read the subtitles anymore. And some of them even know more about Korean history than Philippine history. Why? Because see, they put more things about that in their minds. I'm not saying you stop watching K-drama. But what I'm saying is this. Imagine if we implement that kind of effort to God's Word. Imagine if we fill our minds and our hearts with God's Word on a regular basis. If it is on our hearts and minds constantly, guess what? Our convictions will be connected to this. Look at how to develop godly convictions. And there's no secret if you want to develop godly convictions. These things that I'm going to so- show, these are the basics. For example, look at this. Pray and spend time with the Lord daily. I haven't seen anyone who grew in the Lord, committed to God, without praying and spending time with the Lord daily. You have to do that. There's no other way. That's why David was praying every day. That's why Daniel was praying three times a day. That's why Joshua meditated on God's word day and night. Every single person that God mightily used, they were spending time with the Lord. That's why Moses was a friend of God. Read God's word daily. Let me give you a secret. You will finish reading the entire Bible by reading three chapters a day. I promise you, three chapters a day. Mathematically speaking, I don't remember the computation there. But three chapters a day, you will be able to finish reading the entire Bible. Read God's Word daily, even if nakakatamad or you don't feel like doing it. Memorize Bible verses. That's why we have Bible verses that are every weekly Bible verses to memorize. And then weekly accountability through a discipleship group. I haven't seen anyone grow spiritually strong without a small group that he's committed to. I know a lot of people are saying, well, I'm part of the church. Yes, that's important. That's weekly corporate worship. That's number five, weekly corporate worship, whether Saturday night service or Sunday service. But discipleship group is a different thing because you can't be accountable here. I'm not going to ask, okay, every single one of you, you share your struggles. We're going to finish after five days if all of you will share your struggles. But the accountability... The discipleship group helps you grow, helps you, be, can check on you, what's happening in your life, what's happening and how you're responding to challenges. These five things are very basic. If some of you are not doing one of these things, then I encourage you, you have to rethink. Because if you want to become a change maker, you need to develop godly convictions. Now, I want, to watch, I want you to watch this testimony video. She shared yesterday at the Saturday night service, but but she couldn't be here because she's, uh, she has a duty with, in a hospital. So I want you to listen to her testimony. She's one of our student leaders, how she overcame certain struggles and how she put her foot down and made a stand to those things that tells her to compromise. She made a stand against those things. So let's watch the testimony video of Hannah Park. My name is Hannah Park. I am 24 years old and currently a fourth-year medical student. I have been blessed to grow up in a Christian family, my dad being a missionary, and to study in a Christian school. I have accepted Jesus in my life at an early age of 13, and I started reading the Bible at 14. Uh, When I transferred to CCF, I grew deeper in my relationship with God through attending the group, serving in ministries, and eventually leading my own small group. 
Indeed, I have been blessed to be immersed in a Christian environment. But like any other Christian, I am not exempted from temptations. Today, I'd like to share three instances in my life where my faith and biblical convictions were tested and how the Lord helped me to be faithful to Him. At the age of 14, I was exposed to soft pornography. I struggled with loss day in and day out. It was a sinful cycle that I was stuck in for around seven long years. I felt helpless. Then the Lord sent a Christian friend who happened to have struggled with the same sin. My friend encouraged me to share this with my D-group leader and my family, which I eventually did. I thought I would be judged, but on the contrary, I wasn't. Instead, they encouraged me by reminding me that I have the power to say no to sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. I learned that the more you expose your sin to light, the less power it has over you. I was able to overcome loss by daily abiding in God's word, by intentionally keeping myself accountable to my D group, and by listening to and learning from preachings which heavily dealt with this topic. I also had to remove the things which triggered my lustful thoughts and to replace them with habits which were good for me holistically such as exercising, writing, spending time with my friends and family. Even if I currently still face similar temptations, I now recognize na, uh, that God provides a way out of them, and I choose not to compromise anymore. And by God's grace, I have been freed from that lifestyle of sin. My second test was when I was in college. Uh, I was pursued by a really nice guy. He was tall, he knew how to sing, uh, he drove a car, was actually good looking. But the problem was, he did not know the Lord personally. So I knew that the Lord would not have, uh, I knew that the relationship would not have worked since he and I did not share the same faith. Uh, we had polar opposite convictions on significant topics such as uh, alcohol, smoking, and premarital sex. And we were also geared towards different directions in life. I knew in my heart that if I entered into a relationship with this guy, uh, the Lord would not be pleased. I sought counsel from my D-group leader who lovingly advised me not to pursue a relationship with this guy and to trust that God would work in our lives separately. Uh, though it was the more difficult path for me to choose at that time, as this would entail breaking a friendship, I knew and agreed that it would be what was best for the both of us. This test allowed me to grow deeper in my conviction to guard my heart wisely in choosing a godly husband. The third test that I faced was one I encountered just recently as a medical student. We were going to have an online exam which would not be monitored by our professor or any staff from our school. As students, we had two conflicting options. First, uh, practice honesty and integrity in our answering our exam. Or second, uh, we can cheat by looking through our notes while answering the exam. I was staying in a condo unit with six of my duty mates who would be taking the same exam that afternoon. All six of them planned to cheat since it was expected to be a very difficult exam. They asked me if I was going to do the same thing. And by God's grace, I said no. 
I used to struggle with cheating at the start of the pandemic when everything was transitioning to the online platform. Even the professors knew that the students were cheating. But when I again shared my struggle to my D group, they reminded me that even if the professors knew that the students were cheating, I was not living up to my professor standards, but to the Lord's. Since then, I have learned to say no to cheating, despite the pressures of class standing, possible failure, and the pressures I receive directly from my peers. After the exam, one of my duty mates approached me, expressing how they admired my integrity. I thank God for the courage he gave me to stand up for my convictions and for the opportunity to give him the glory through it. Even if there were times I could have chosen the easier path of saying yes to lust, to the guys who courted me, and to cheating in my exams, I am glad I gave uh, I am glad God gave me the courage to choose the more difficult path of obeying Him in spite of the pressures that surrounded me. Even if I was withheld the temporary pleasures of this world, I know that God will never withhold what He knows is good for me. It says in Psalm 84:11, For the Lord God is a sun and shield, the Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I am Hannah Park, once compromising in my faith, now living without regrets as I seek to choose God day by day. To God be all the glory. Praise God for that wonderful, powerful testimony. You see the importance of small group. I know a lot of people or some people are still not interested. Some people would say, that's not for me. I don't like to be part of a small group. I think the reason is, one of the major reasons in Tagalog, ayo nila nangingialam, right? They don't want people that will, you know, convict them, rebuke them, remind them of the right things. But you know what I realized? All of us, we look for friends to help us. Whether you're a solid Christian or you're still getting to know Jesus, every, every one of us, we look for friends. We pare, what's, the, what's your advice here? But if we don't have the right people who, are, who loves the Lord, who will guide us, then we're listening to people who will tell us the wrong things. Not all the time, but imagine if you're part of a small group. That's why we keep encouraging people to be part of a small group. That's what happened to her. She was reading God's Word, but she's also part of a community. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. You know, look at this statement. Look at this question. Because I know all of us, we have convictions. What are your convictions in life? And how sure are you that it's the right one? Because every single person in this world, they have convictions. When it comes to sex, they have convictions. When it comes to cheating, they have convictions. When it comes to paying taxes, they have convictions. When it comes to immorality, adultery, whatever that is, they have convictions. When it comes to gender, in every major issue, they have convictions. And how sure are you that your conviction is right and it's connected to God's Word? Because here's what I realize about conviction. Look at this chart, and I, I love this chart. Your conviction has a reason. Every conviction that I know has a reason. For example, when you ask someone, why is your conviction about sex just, you know, just sex even if I'm not yet married? I'm okay with that. You know, when I ask people why that's their conviction, everybody's doing it. Eh? I mean, there's nothing wrong. As long as I'm protected, I'm safe, I, I think I'm okay. And every reason is anchored on a hope. Meaning to say, umaasa ka, that what your reasons are, it's going to be right eventually. Meaning to say, let's say your conviction is okay, I'm doing this, I know it's not, it's against God, but I'm having fun, eh? I'm enjoying this lifestyle, so I hope that by enjoying this lifestyle, it will work out well in the end. But here's the, the important thing. Do you know that every conviction, for the conviction to be effective, for the reason to be valid, and for your hope to be certain, the foundation should be strong, should be solid. You know why I believe in the principles of the Bible? Because a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this. Jesus died, he rose again. 
Therefore, whatever he says in this word is true. If he says that sex is after marriage, when you're married already, that's the real deal. If he, say, he says that there's only man and woman, that's the truth. If he says that you shouldn't cheat, you shouldn't gossip, you shouldn't slander anyone, you should pay the right amount of taxes, you should be faithful to your spouse, children obey your parents, all those Bible principles are real, are right, no matter how difficult it is, because Jesus died and rose again. What's your foundation if you're following worldly standards? Because everybody's doing it? Because it seems it's working to that, you know, that influencer. He's, she's living that kind of lifestyle. It seems to work for her. Maybe I'll follow that and it's going to work for me. And she's a good person. We're not saying that the people who are worldly are all bad people. But in God's standards, they're not pleasing to Him. And that's why our message is be a change maker with a strong heart. We have a solid foundation. Can we give a clap offering to our Lord that He died? He rose again. I keep coming back to that truth. Whenever I talk to people that say, people ask me, why do you believe solid, com committedly to Jesus? Why are you so passionate for Jesus? He's the only one who died, who rose again. Nobody else have, has ever done that. He overcame death. Why wouldn't I believe in him? Why wouldn't I give my life to him? He gave his life to me. I'm a sinner. I can't go to heaven because I compromise also. But he gave his life to me. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. That's why I look at this passage in Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love the next part, so that you may prove what the will of God is. It is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know why Paul was so bold to say that his will, God's will, is good, acceptable, and perfect? Because Jesus died and he rose again. Again, tell your seatmate, be a change maker with a strong heart. One, two, three, go. There. So, first one, what it looks like, you have solid conviction, godly conviction. Second is you're considerate. Now, what's the connection of being considerate to others when it comes to having a strong heart? I realize when you have a strong conviction, let's say about God, about His Word, there's a tendency for us to become proud and for us to be combative, right? And as a result of that, we hurt others, we judge others, we condemn others. Instead of being gracious, which God has been gracious to us, instead of being polite, being loving, look at what Daniel did and his friends. When, when you say you have a strong heart, it's a heart that is humble and a heart that is wise. Meaning to say, yes, there are pressures around, but you don't fight them. You know how to have healthy conversations with them. You know what's the loving way. You know how to become a salt and a light to these people. You're humble and you're wise. Look at what happened to Daniel. So Daniel made up his mind. That's chapter 1, verse 8. And then instead of telling the, the soldier or the, the general, you know, what you're doing is wrong. We're not going to do that. We're not going to obey you. Even if we are, get hungry and die, we're not going to eat. He didn't do that. He sought permission. So I believe he was praying. Four of them were praying. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And God revealed to them. This is what you're going to do. And the good news is, look at verse 9. The good news is God was the one who granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander and the officials. In other words, God was also working the heart of those soldiers. Right? So this is what's happening here. And look at the next verse. So the commander said to, the, to Daniel, Daniel, you know, I'm afraid. Eh? I'm scared. If I give you a different food, the food that you like, I, and then I, the, the general, the king would see your faces looking gaunt, looking thin, looking weak. And compared to the other young people who were there, you, may, you would make my, me forfeit my head to the king. I'm going to die. So that's a legit reason. So he was honest. He wasn't fighting. Daniel wasn't fighting the officials. He was very respectful, very considerate, and very humble in his approach. And he understood what the reason was. So look at his faith. Look at the next part. Again, wisdom from the Lord. Please put your servants to the test for 10 days. And what's the test? Let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, who among you tried eating vegetables and drinking water for 10 days? Can you raise your hand? Anybody? Wow, I'm so proud of you because I, I can never do that, okay? That's hard. 
And usually when you eat vegetables and you drink water for 10 days, will you lose weight or will you gain weight? Of course, you're going to lose weight. But let's look at what happened afterwards, okay? I know some of you know the story already. And then Daniel said, let our appearance be examined in your presence. Test us. 10 days. Let's see if we get thin, if we, get, if we look weak, we look unpleasant, and then deal with your servants according to what you see. Then we will submit. Again, wisdom from God. You know, we need God's wisdom to counter worldly wisdom. Because I really believe there are, there's this false wisdom that the world keep on telling us. And sometimes even Christians get deceived. Even us Christians, we suddenly make, think about it, oh, maybe it makes sense na tama yun. That's worldly wisdom. That's why we need to always be connected to God. What's godly wisdom? What's worldly wisdom? Here are some examples of worldly wisdom that we hear a lot. Everybody's doing it. That's one example. Everybody's doing it. My friends are doing it. If I don't do it, I'm not in. A lot of young people are pressured from that. I'm not that bad compared to others, right? So let's say you're doing certain bad things and people started rebuking you. I hear this even from Christians. Grabe ka naman. I'm not that bad, ah. My classmates, yeah, they cheated all the, in all the exam. Ako, I cheated only in one exam. I'm good, all right? Compared to them. But that's not the point. The point is, am I pleasing to God? We shouldn't compare ourselves to other people. We should ask ourselves, is this what you want, Lord? The problem with number two, it's like we're trying to feel good, even though in God's standard, it's not. And yes, we can feel good, but God is still not pleased. Another worldly wisdom is this. I know what's best for me. I'm me. I know who I am. More than any other person in this world, I know who I am. Because this is me. A lot of influencers would say that. A lot of athletes would say that. Even celebrities would say that. Not all, but a lot of them would say that. This is me. I know what I want. I know what's best for me. And it's connected to number four. I feel this is going to work. I feel that this is right. I feel that whatever is happening in my life, as long as I feel it, I'm going to do it. I know it's going to work. It's based on feelings. And another one is number five. This is very popular in the Western countries, even in the Philippines. Well, this is my right. I'm the first one in this parking spot. But you're not a car. You're there. I don't care. The car is coming. <laughs> this is my right. I was the first one in this line. I paid for this. Look at what wisdom is all about. In James chapter 1, verse 5, If any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously, without reproach, and it will be given to him. God wants to give you wisdom, but we need to ask. The problem is when we ask and God reveals the wisdom and we don't like the approach or what God wants us to do, we tell God, Lord, I don't think that's wise. Because if I do that, I may lose certain things. I may lose money. I may lose this. I may lose this person. I may lose my face, whatever that is. So we feel like it's not wisdom. That's why we need to step in faith. Okay, Lord, if this is what you want me to do, that's the wisdom from you. I'm going to adhere to it. And look at another description of wisdom in James chapter 3. Because there's two types of wisdom, the worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. Here's the worldly wisdom. The worldly wisdom is earthly, it's natural, it's demonic. What's the common denominator? What's the description of that? Verse 16, where there is jealousy, where there is selfish ambition, where there is disorder, every evil thing, that's worldly wisdom. The problem is we hide that. We won't tell people, you know the reason why I'm making this decision? Because I'm proud. Would you ever do that to your family members? Would you ever become completely honest? You know why I'm doing this? I'm actually manipulating you so you do what I want. Nobody would ever admit that. But it takes a lot of humility to talk to God and tell God, Lord, I know my problem. I'm trying to manipulate things because I'm jealous. I'm selfish. I'm proud. What's Godly wisdom. The opposite. Look at the next one. Look at this verse in verse 17 to 18. But wisdom from above is first what? Pure. You don't manipulate. It's from above. It's, it, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's from above. It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle. It's reasonable. What else? There you go. Oh, sorry. Peace-loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy. Fruit of righteousness sown in peace by those who make what? Peace. It's peaceable. You don't fight and hurt other people because you have a strong conviction. That's why, have you ever noticed 
in the scripture, even though they were being persecuted, they respond in love. Yes, they complain in a godly way. Yes, they appeal in a godly way. That's why when I preach before here, when it comes to submitting to authorities, I know certain people, they don't appreciate that. You know why they, they don't appreciate sometimes when you submit to, uh, to other people, to authorities? Because when we exercise this, for example, you exercise peace-loving. You exercise being merciful, being gentle. I hear this phrase a lot. Eh, kung masyado kang mabait, ikaw yung ma-abuse. Right? In English, if you keep becoming, you know, kind, you're, if you're so loving, you're always doing what is good, people will abuse you. On the contrary, yes, you might feel abused because you're loving, but I believe God is on your side and He's going to protect you. Look at this statement. The world would like us to defend our rights. That's the common denominator now whatever it takes. Whether you hurt someone, you cheat, you do whatever you want, that's what the world is saying. Right? Whatever it takes, just fight for it. But God desires that we do what is right in His eyes. It may involve defending our rights, but in a different way. It may involve, okay, protecting yourself, but in a different and loving approach. And the good news is He will take care of our rights. Look at the examples that we have. Daniel, David, Gideon, those characters that we've been talking, we see in the Scripture, they were maltreated by other people. They were persecuted by others, but they responded in love. They never disobeyed the Lord in terms of, you know, fighting other people. They were tempted, don't get me wrong, but they submitted to God's will and they were respectful. That's wisdom from the Lord. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong hype. I remember the story of this businessman. So this businessman, his parents own a big company. And the problem was the parents, they had certain principles. But the problem was one of the practices that the parents did was not to pay the right amount of tax. Because if they pay the right amount of tax and it's a huge business, they will entail loss, financial loss. So it took, after several years, it was time for the parents to pass on the business to their son. But again, this son was a committed Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. And he wanted to follow good principles that his father was doing, except one, the principle of not paying the right amount of tax. So when he told his father, his parents, We're not gonna, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to follow the other good principles except that one. The, the father was shocked. Why are you doing this? Oh, anyway, you're already the owner of this business, but I'm just going to warn you. Huh? If you keep doing this, we're going to lose money. We're going to close. But the son said, just let just trust me, Dad. I'm going to do this. Several years after that, the company keep on, kept on growing and growing and expanded. And eventually, it became one of the top five biggest companies when it comes to that business. The father was surprised. And eventually, the father said, wow, I didn't know that principle actually works. That if you pay the right amount of taxes, God would honor you. Now, it doesn't mean that everything that you want to happen in your life will happen if you keep on obeying God. But here's what I'm realizing. God will bless you in His standards. God will grant you peace. God will protect you. And God will strengthen your heart. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. So what does a strong heart look like? It has conviction. It's considerate and that's courage. Meaning to say, when the going gets tough, I'm going to obey. Obey God, no matter what the cost, and leave the results to Him. One of the things that I notice with us Christians, why we sometimes give in, or even if you're not yet a committed Christian, why you give in to your lust, to your desires of the flesh, is because we're afraid. What do I mean we're afraid? We're afraid of maybe losing a friend. You know, Pastor Marty, if I do this, I won't, my friends will not spend time with me anymore because I don't drink with them. They want me to drink with them to get drunk. They want me to party with them even though it's very sensual. If I don't do that, I'm not going to have friends anymore. Guess what? If you don't do that, God will never leave you. He will send people to you. But if you know you're struggling and you're giving in to these sins, why keep spending time with people that will lure you to compromise? I'm not saying you're, you stop being friends with them, but you lessen the time so that you don't compromise. That's wisdom from God. Maybe some of you are afraid because you're going to get canceled. If I do this, 
they're gonna make fun of me, they're gonna cancel me, they're gonna talk about me online. You know, there's this person who doesn't do these things. He's so kind, so self-righteous. And he would, they would even judge you for being self-righteous. But you're not even doing anything. Just by living that kind of life, they feel condemned sometimes. Because they feel like they're wrong. I feel like I'm a bad person just standing beside you because you, it seems that you don't sin. And they, you know, their description is you're just too holy for us. And you feel like you're going to get canceled. Or you're going to feel like I'm missing out. I'm going to miss out on income if I pay the right amount of tax. I'm going to miss out on growing the business if I don't cheat. I'm going to miss out on, and here's another thing that I realized. There's this company, uh, one of my family members mentioned to me, he worked in this company, I'm not going to mention okay, the name, and his boss told him, okay, if you want to be part of this group and receive this training, you have to always go with us, drink with us, because our, our business is sales. And when we do sales, we give certain things to the people we sell to so that they'll buy. If you don't know how to do that, then you're not part of this group. So this person really struggled. It's so hard. Why should I do that? Yeah, if you do that, you're going to sell a lot. And I'm going to give you a lot of bonus if you sell a lot. You're going to miss out. Imagine the pressure. I know the, the things that I'm sharing, it's real. I know some of you are experiencing or you know stories like that. But that's why we have this topic because there's another way to do it that pleases the Lord. Some of us, we're afraid of missing out. We're missing out on the pleasure. If I don't do this, if I break off this relationship, I know it's a sexual relationship and we're not yet married, I'm gonna miss out on the fun. Why, Lord? I don't wanna do that. And another one is I'm gonna have a hard time. You know, my emotions are gonna, my struggle emotionally. I'm going to have a hard time. I'm going to miss this person. I'm going to miss the fun times. I'm going to miss the pleasure. I don't want that. I want this kind of life. That's why, that's what I realized, why some people don't want to be committed to Jesus because they don't want to give up certain things. You know, I'm going to share this, but my father passed away years ago, but one of the things that he told me, he became a Christian after he retired. And one of the things that he told me was the reason why he doesn't want to become a committed Christian. Because he was working in a government company and he was cheating. So he told me that. And he said to me, you know, Marty, I, I don't want to go to church before. Again, this was years ago. I'm not going to mention the government company. But he said that the reason why I don't want to go to church is because I was really cheating. I was getting money from people and I was getting a lot of money. And the only time that I, I decided to go to church when I stopped doing that, but when it was the time when he retired. But I really am grateful that God was gracious to him because he gave him time to change. And when he, before he passed away, after he retired, he really committed his life to Jesus. He doesn't want to hard, have a hard time because that's his thought. He grew up in a you know, poor family. He wanted to give a good life to his family members. So he doesn't want to have a hard time. So he decides, why not I'll cheat? Everybody's doing it. Everybody's cheating. At, at least I get a lot of money and I'm going to give a lot of money to my family. Parang Robin Hood. Again, that's a worldly principle. And some of us were afraid of death because of persecution. You know the good thing in the Philippines? It's not happening here. I mean, not that much, right? In other countries, they're persecuted. And here's the wonderful thing, amazing thing also that I realized. Have you noticed the people in other countries that are facing death for becoming a Christian, they're growing more in the Lord, their churches are expanding, but the countries that are not physically or are afraid of the, or there's no fear of death for becoming a Christian, the Christianity is going down. Why is that? I really believe that when the going really gets tough, we are on our knees and we go to God. We surrender to Him. Now look at Daniel. He said to the general, please test your servant for 10 days. What happened after 10 days? Look at verse 15. Let's read this together because this is amazing. Look at verse 15. At the end of 10 days, their appearance him. Oh, they're good looking and they were? Ano kinain nila? Vegetables and drink, drink water. I don't know of any vegetable that when you eat after 10 days, you're going to get fat. Somebody told me, laing yun. I don't know. <laughs> 
don't know what that vegetable is. That when you eat it, wait, tumuba ako. Right? There's no vegetable like that. Sana makakita tayo ng vegetable. But the Hebrew word is really plump. That's the meaning. They really got gain weight. And they were better than the other young people who were there. And at the end of 10 days, look at the blessing to them. Huh? The, at the end of the days of the evaluation, after three years, they were presented to King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them. And look at the description of the king. He told Ashpenaz and the other generals, I haven't seen any like Daniel, Shad, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Not one was found like them. And the king said, I want them to be part of my personal service. And when he further evaluated, look at verse 20. As a matter of, as, as for every matter of expertise and understanding about which the king consulted them. He found them how much better? Ten times better than any of the current soothsayer priests, conjurers who were in all his realm. Daniel wasn't afraid. If he's going to lose his life. In fact, in another chapter, look at another chapter. Then Daniel began distinguishing himself. This is chapter 6. I'm just going to go through this quickly. In Daniel chapter 6, he distinguished himself as one of the best. In fact, the king, it was already the Persian Empire. The Persian king Darius wanted him to be on top, the head over the entire kingdom. And the others were jealous. So they were discussing, how can we put this Daniel down and, you know, just get rid of him? We can't find anything bad about him. That's integrity. Unless it's about his God. So let's create a law that will, you know, put him down and kill him. So what's the law? They went to the king and they told the king, King Darius, you know, you are really God, King Darius. Let's make a law, King Darius. What's the law? So King Darius asked, the law is in the next 30 days, everybody should pray to you because you're like God. And anyone who will pray to any God or any person besides you for 30 days, what's going to happen? Let's throw them to the lions then. So the king said, okay, let's do this. And they found Daniel in verse 10. Even though the law was there, look at his conviction. He had a strong heart. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to be on my knees three times a day, just like before, I'm going to pray to God. And of course, they saw him praying. So King Darius said, okay, bring Daniel, throw him to the lion's den. Of course, King Darius was sad because he really wanted Daniel to be in charge. He saw how Daniel was effective, but the law was there. So they threw Daniel to the lion's den. Then what happened? The next day, the king got up. He went to where the, the, the den was, and he called Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you? We know the story. What happened to the story? Verse 21 to 22, O king, live forever. God shut the mouths of the lions because God was on Daniel's side. Do you know the greatest blessing here? Let's skip to verse 26. After seeing this, you know the greatest blessing? Look at verse 26. This is what King Darius realized. This God that Daniel is worshiping is real. I now issue a decree that in all the realm of my kingdom, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Can we applaud our God for His power? Grabe. God, it's just amazing how he protected Daniel, and how he became a change maker. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. What does a strong heart look like? That's conviction, it's considerate, and there's courage. I'm going to end with this story. You know, when I, after I graduated from college, one of my convictions when I was still studying, of course, I, be, I became a Christian at the age of 13. I was very committed to Jesus. One of my convictions is not to enter a romantic relationship while still studying. So I was able to fulfill that. After I graduated, I was so excited, I entered a relationship with someone who is still a student. So it was because I like this girl, and I know she was still a student, but I wanted to be in a relationship already. And the problem was we were compromising. We didn't go all out and do, did sexual immorality, but it was leading there. And I know God wasn't pleased. My parents did, did, did not give their blessing for me to be in a relationship. 
Her parents also did not give their blessing, give their, give their blessing for us to be in a relationship. So we were hiding. Whenever we go on dates, we go to places where I know there will be the people that I know will not be there. To the malls that are, you know, not 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 a lot of people go to. So we watch a movie there, we go on dates there, we do things that are not pleasing to God. And I know God was telling me, Marty, stop that na. That's not pleasing to me. And you know what I, all, I keep on telling the Lord? Lord, sige na, I'm going to make this work. You know that prayer na, Lord, sige na. I know I'm wrong, but please, please forgive me. And please just help us make this work. Christian naman siya. I mean, she's a Christian. I was also a Christian. I was already serving the Lord, not yet with CCF. I was already serving the Lord, but I know it was wrong. And I keep, you know, having this conversation, appealing to God, Lord, please. So for several months, almost more than a year, we were doing this, doing these compromises and always talking to God, please, Lord, I know it's going to work. I'll marry her eventually, Lord God. I'll make this ride. I'm not going to do any of those bad things anymore, but then I'm going to fail. It was a roller coaster ride. Sometimes we're okay, me and that girl, and other times we're not. And it was up and down, up and down until one day. We both decided, after talking, we both decided we have to stop this. Because the conviction was so strong. The burden was so strong. We have to stop this. We have to break off the relationship because God is not pleased. We know His Word. We taught His Word to our disciples. So we said we shouldn't do this anymore. So we cut off the relationship. But guess what? I was so sad. I missed her already after several days. So after several weeks, I couldn't help it. I started calling her. Hey, can we meet again? Can we meet? I miss you already. Can I, can I see you? Can, I, can we pray together? <laughs> right? So all of those godly stuff, but we, I know if we meet again, we're going to do certain things that doesn't please the Lord. So I said to her, can we meet? I'm going to pick you up somewhere that nobody, is, you know, nobody see, will see us. I'm going to pick you up there. Just wait for me. So I started driving my car, going there, and I tell you, the burden and conviction of God while I was driving was so strong. It's as if God was telling me, Bumalik ka na, turn around. No, Lord, kaya to, magpipray lang kami, okay? This is gonna work. And God was telling me, turn around, turn around. Again, after several minutes of driving, halfway through, I decided to, put, uh, to, to just go to the side. So I slowed down. I put the car to the side. I prayed. I asked God, Lord, it's just hard. I'm really struggling. I know this is not right. And I know I need to turn back. So I texted the girl. I said, I'm so sorry for asking you again to meet you. We shouldn't do this anymore. So I turned around. After I turned around, I was in pain emotionally. But there was peace. It's as if God was embracing me, telling me, I'm with you. You know, if I didn't do that, this picture right here wouldn't happen. If I compromised, I don't think this will happen. I don't think I would be married to a wonderful woman who's serving with me in CCF. She's the first campus missionary of CCF. I don't think I will have four wonderful kids. Yes, let's give glory to God. If I compromise, I don't think what I'm doing right now will ever happen. That's why this is my message to all of us. Because do you know what? Obeying God is absolutely worth it. And I don't know what's happening in your life. I know majority of us, maybe we're overcoming the struggles that we have. That's good, praise God, keep on making that stand. But I know some of you, you have compromises. You know already what those things are. You know that you need to stop. You know that you need to let go. And yes, I know you have reasons, but please, that's why we have this message to show to you that obeying God is absolutely worth it. And you know why it's absolutely worth it? Because Jesus gave His life. He died for your sins. You can never, ever experience that kind of love except in and through Him. That's why we're obeying Him. And that's my encouragement to all of us. If there's something that God wants you to let go, God wants you to stop doing, please step in faith, have a strong heart, and become the change maker that God wants you to be. What's our message again? Be a change maker with a strong heart. Can we bow our heads? Let me pray for you. I want to pray for two specific groups of people here this, today. 
for the first group of people that I want to pray for, I know for some of us here, we don't have that relationship with Jesus. We know Jesus in the head. We grew up in a Christian nation. But we don't love Jesus with all our heart. He's not yet your Lord and Savior. So if that's you, and God is speaking to you right now, the first step to have a strong heart is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can pray something like this. Tell Jesus, Jesus, thank you for dying at the cross for my sins. Today, Jesus, I repent from my sins. I turn to you. I receive you, accept you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. From now on, I commit to follow you. Thank you for the gift of eternal life and thank you for your love. For the second group of people that I want to pray for, Lord, a lot of us here, we're struggling. All of us are struggling. And maybe some of us, you're telling us to stop doing certain things, whatever that thing is. Maybe to let go of something. And all of us, we have reasons. We have struggles internally in our hearts and it's giving us a hard time to let go. Please, God, give us the strength. Give us the peace. Give us your power. Holy Spirit, without you, we cannot become victorious over these things. But we know if we don't release, surrender, then we're going to miss out on a lot. We don't want to do that. So Lord, right now, we surrender all of these struggles to you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you're the God of many chances. We worship you and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all.